the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So it is as we head into hour two of our daily three-hour tour. It is a delight to welcome back David Harsanya, one of my favorite uh, analysts, thinkers, writers, and observers of the political scene. He is a senior writer for National Review and the author of a very important book, First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. David, thanks for joining us again. Much appreciated. Well, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. I was reading your most recent piece uh, titled The Democratic Party is Radicalizing Against the Constitution, and parts of it kind of go to the reason I initially had reached out to you, because I wanted to kind of get your views, and we'll get back to your column in a moment, but let me try it this way. I wanted to kind of get your take on what's going on in the U.S. Senate right now. I don't know if you've been watching the hearings or the trial, I guess I should say, but I'm sitting here slack-jawed with what I'm watching, listening to the Democrats uh, talk about uh, if, 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 if they were the words of Republicans a summer ago, it would be the exact same thing. It's a really interesting phenomenon to see this newfound interest of the Democrats disliking political violence, um, supporting law enforcement, uh, thinking that um, fencing and military matters. It's a really interesting thing hearing them say no one should ever question the results of an election. Um, I'm slack-jawed by it. Yeah, the, the double standards are jaw-dropping, right? I mean, yep. it's uh, the, the idea that uh, that merely questioning the results of an election is now basically incitement towards violence. It's just First of all, it's an outrageous thing to say, and right. I'm not. I I think the election, and Biden won the election. I'm not a person who doesn't believe that. However, it is an opinion that people have about elections going back to George Bush's election, W. Bush's election, where people still say it was stolen. So, I just don't. It's it's a very didn't Michael opinion. Moore's Fahrenheit 9/11 open with that entire scene? That's my memory of it. Anyway, you may not have seen the movie, but I, anyway, go ahead just to validate yeah, your point. No, yeah. no, I mean that was that's, the case. I mean right. you don't even have to go there. You could go to the New Republic, which yeah. when it was a respectable yeah. uh, magazine, yeah. had a big article from Jonathan Chait saying the election was stolen. That's right. So, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean the double standard is outrageous. I also think, I mean, listen, I have to say, generally, I'm pro-impeachment of presidents in general. Oh, tell me why. Um, well, well, make your point and then tell me why. Finish your sentence most and of, then most tell of me. Them, most of them deserve it oh. for their attacks on the Constitution, <laughs> okay. right? Yeah. But, um, yeah. but I think that the incitement case is incredibly weak. I think if they had a case, they made the case for dereliction of duty. Andy McCarthy, I work, you know, my colleague, sure. has made this case. I think they'd have to be on much stronger ground, you know, not even going through... If, if you know whether presidents can be impeached post uh, term things like that well, but I, I think it's I weak think- but i think it's dangerous too in a sense that i think they are trying to bootstrap speech basically conservative mm-hmm. speech or some kinds of conservative speech into a crime that's really what i think is going on here i worry about that i mean you know they're, they're playing scenes from the from the riot yep. which are terrifying right yep. 
But that is not the case. It's the, not the writers who are on trial. It's, it's, it's Donald Trump. Right. It's describing and a house thing, being burnt down, but not pointing to who the arsonist is. Right. We're all uh, all our hearts. Right. Are, right. right. Oh. Now, maybe he incited it in the, in the sense that he, you know, he took a position that, that got them all riled up. But nothing he says really in that speech, and I've read through it, is, is would be criminal incitement or anything close to it. Now, I realize you don't need criminal incitement to impeach someone, sure. but you know, I'm just saying I'm not sure that people will understand why this is happening other than basically just going after Donald Trump because they hate him and wanting to keep him in the spotlight. I'm not sure that's going to work out politically for them. Right. I don't think they have the votes, but I think they've done a smart thing given the deck they dealt themselves, uh, the Democrats, because I think what they've been doing is playing on the emotions of those scenes in today's part of the trial anyway, all that video and audio. If it's emotional enough, people may forget that, okay, but there also has to be a nexus to what caused it. And if the emotions are strong enough in, in, in logical uh, fa- fallacy speak, it's called argumentum ad misericordium, right? Just appealing to the mm-hmm. appealing to the passion. If they appeal to the passion strongly enough, that's my guess. That's what they're trying to do. People will neglect to make the connection that okay, but it, will, it doesn't matter uh, whether the case is weak that Trump caused it. It's so bad that we have to hold him accountable. That's what I guess they're trying to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're making a they're making an emotion. They're, they're appealing to the emotions and passions of voters and. Uh, and that's fine. They can do it. But, uh, you know, he's not going to be convicted. And, uh, I'm, and, and you know, we're not talking and maybe the thing for Biden that we're not talking about what he's doing because he's not doing very well, in my opinion. But um, I'm not sure how that works, works out in the long run. I think for a lot of average people walking around, they don't understand why someone needs to be impeached post term. No one understands really it. You are absolutely right. Outside of people whose profession this is, or perhaps lawyers, no one understands it at all. They they have this quaint notion that impeachment is to remove someone from office. You know, that's the and 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 and, right. and, and God bless them for thinking that. Frankly, <laughs> uh, no, really. I mean that 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 I, I just think it's open and shut myself on, on that front. But it does have interesting reverberations on what you just said, Biden. I think it shows a weakness of Joe Biden's. A, for being the only American to not have an opinion on it, seemingly. And B, the reason I don't think he can say anything is, the reason my suspicion is, is that he's not in charge. I think Nancy Pelosi's in charge. See, I think he could have called her and said, or might have, and said, let's, let's not be doing this right now. But she would, have, she, she, she would have overruled him, and I don't think that story would have been a very healthy one. I think she's in charge. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a party-wide, and this goes actually media-wide um, need to talk about Trump or find someone who's like Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene mm-hmm. was, you know, a person they did that with for a week where they funnel all their anger mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, their revenge on, on the Republican Party in yeah. that sense. But that didn't work for them. So now they have the impeachment and that'll be however long it'll be. And then we're going to have to move on at some point. And what Biden's been doing his unilateral governing Obama style, but worse that he's been doing and his under-promising, since most of his promises have already been met by the Trump administration on COVID response, none of that is going to be good for him. So um, I think I think this actually probably maybe maybe it helped him, but in the long run, I think at some point it's going to the, the, the focus of the country is going to turn towards Biden, and that's 
you know, then you have a totally different game. It does say something, though, doesn't it, about a Democratic president with a Democratic House and Senate who has to rule by executive order on everything, that he can't even get his own caucus or party seemingly or legislation seemingly through his own party, unless the urgency and exigency is so great in his mind that this is the only way it has to go. No, he knows he'll get away with it, and yeah. he he knows that all the all the hysteria that went on over Donald Trump and, and authoritarianism and everything like that, um, much of it was an act. And, and now you have a president literally ruling in, in the way he's not supposed to, in an authoritarian way. There's yep. no yep. president doesn't make legislation, right. and no one cares. You know, they're talking about domestic um, terrorism acts, which are patriot acts for for for, for American citizens. And, are you uh, not no amazed, by the way, on that very point, David, are you not amazed that the media, I suppose we should have given up on this kind of line of questioning a long time ago, but are you not amazed there has been no investigation of those kinds of statements looking into domestic violent extremism as a partisan purpose? I, I am amazed yeah. that the press has gone silent on that. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I, I think the, I, I, I hate to make broad statements like this. There are good journalists out there, but in general, I just think the press is corrupt. It's basically. gone, yeah. And they're not the press anymore. They're yeah. activists. I mean, that's not to say they never send a reporter anywhere. It's just to say that their purpose is not to protect free speech and to find the truth. Their purpose is to propel the Democratic Party in general. And that's what most of them do. Not all of them, but enough of them that, uh, that it's, I think it's fair to call the whole institution corrupt. I do, too. And I think the, um, the, the differences between the White House briefings under Donald Trump or even under Kayleigh McEnany and the ones that are taking place now, particularly on issues having to do with the coronavirus, quite frankly, I, I think it's laughable how much less in control and on point or off talking point, I should say, the White House is right now with their own professionals. Uh, the contradictions between the press spokesman and the head of the CDC, uh, to me, are, are far worse than anything I actually recall from Kayleigh McEnany and, 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 and Fauci and the CDC. But they won't, call, they, they won't call that out. They won't investigate that. They won't make a point of that. Because of what you said, their job is to defend the administration not to investigate the administration. Can we dig into your column a little bit more? Do you have time for one more segment? Because I just think there's a sure. lot in there. The Democratic Party is radicalizing against the Constitution. We'll do it with its author, David Harsanyi from National Review, and author of a great and important book, First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. History with the gun. New piece up at National Review. The Democratic Party is radicalizing against the Constitution, taking on something Chris Hayes wrote in The Atlantic. And David, the way I'm seeing this crystallize in the commentariat on the left is this ongoing, we talked, we touched on it a little bit in the previous segment, is this ongoing attempted association and affiliation of conservatism and violence. Um, even 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 Hayes is going into this in his piece, isn't he, when he talks about authoritarianism and that we are holding on to power um, only through threats of uh, rage and violence. Yes, I mean, we are the threat to democracy because we are the violent side. 
Right, absolutely. I mean, he doesn't just intimate that. He says it. He says the word violence. And he doesn't say that we use the threat. He says that we use it, you know, because this Capitol riot now is every conservative's fault. Mm-hmm. And they want you and me and other conservatives to take ownership of it. And I won't because I have nothing to do with it. I don't believe in the things those people believed in. I don't use violence, etc. There's no reason for me you know, I condemn it and I move on. I did not have anything to do with it, but they want to give you ownership. That's one. But the more insidious thing that he does, in my opinion, is that he basically argues that those who use the constitutional governance, yep. right, the same right. government we've had for 200 years, right. um, are basically engaged in authoritarianism mm-hmm. and anti-democratic mm-hmm. Uh, you know, inclination. They, they have democrat, anti-democratic inclinations. And I do, incidentally, because I don't think, you know, I think democracy is vastly overrated. I'm far more concerned about freedom. Now, I know people use democracy as a catch-all for liberalism, but um, but he doesn't. He's talking about majoritarian, he's talking about counter-majoritarian institutions he wants to destroy, like the Senate, like the Electoral College. Um, I mean, there's a line in there where he actually says, you know, Republicans only do well uh, because, you know, because of the Constitution. Otherwise, they wouldn't. Well, I, I ask, what does otherwise mean? <laughs> That's the system. There is no otherwise. You know what I mean? Yes, no, there's a contempt here for a couple of things going on. One is minority rights, first of all, I think. Yeah. I think there's a contempt for that, which the Constitution was meant to protect. And in a better day, the liberal left used to understand that and depend upon it and, 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 and lecture on it appropriately so in, 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 in most decisive respects. I think that's one thing going on. And the other thing going on is a very immature attitude about democracy or this form of government, which has to do basically with Anything that you conservatives like is anti-democratic, small d, and pro-authoritarian. If you aren't with us on global warming, if you aren't with us on choice, you 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 just pick the pick the topic. We're 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 beyond the pale. Perhaps even Untermenschen. I truly think that's what's going on here. Oh yeah, and they also treat the Constitution as if it's now. So if you win the presidential election and you don't win the supposed popular vote, which is a non-existent thing that they made up, then all of a sudden you are using a loophole for power. Well, what, what is Donald Trump supposed to do? Not to accept the presidency because he's using the constitutional process we've always had? Not campaign in get Ohio, into right, exactly. With, exactly. Right. Well, and I don't want to get into all the problems with, with, with the popular vote, which doesn't really reflect the, 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 the country, because we don't run for that vote. No one tries to win it, so they, they don't get many votes. I, I'm table, with you but. on that. We could play that game all day long. I've said that forever. Whenever, said, whenever anyone says, well, he didn't win the public, well, he didn't campaign for it. And if he did, he might have. <laughs> you know, he might have. Right. He right. won the election yeah. in the system right. that exists, that right. has always existed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just insane to try to strip someone of power, delegitimize the presidency, because he didn't win something that's not too... He can't win. That no one competed I mean, for, right? Yeah, right? Right, exactly. It's just insane. And this is the same thing they do with, with, with everything. Now, they, I don't know if Chris Hayes understands that the states created the country, not the other way around. He believes, in, in, and this is a big argument on the left, and I see it everywhere, that there's minority rule, because Republicans can stop Democrats from acting as a big, giant, centralized, you know, Washington power. Well, no, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it was built on purpose. It's, we don't. California doesn't rule West Virginia. That's not minority rule because West Virginia does not rule California either. 
and this is something they just they can't wrap. They, actually, they understand. But there is a contempt. Just, but there is a contempt, yeah. and I don't. I, I mean that in in its broadest sense. There's a contempt for the view that the West Virginia ethos could have purchase in this country over and against the California Manhattan ethos. I mean, I really think they think people like Chris Hayes and most of the left today, I really think they think our views are so retrograde as to not deserve protections under the Constitution. I think that's what he means. Of course, that's what he means. He wants to compel those people to do the right thing. And because he doesn't believe they are doing the right thing, because he doesn't believe in local control, and he believes the people there are are slack-jawed yokels. I mean, that's what he believes and so that's why he does this. And, you know, the, just the last point on this, another little trick he tries is to say, listen, Democrats run everything. Everyone agrees with Democrats, right? right? So, right. So, so he's trying to say that the minority rule exists because everyone agrees with Democrats. Well, they, they could lose very easily this next midterm. They could lose the House, even just through redistricting, and they could lose the Senate. So that's a lie. There's no durable majority for Democrats at all. They hardly won the presidency. I read today in the Washington Post... That, you know, the, the difference between um, Republicans running Washington right now, all three, you know, three branches, basically. 90,000 90, votes. votes. Right. I that's, saw the same thing. Right. That's nothing. And it, think about how this election was run with showering people with paper ballots all yep. over the place. Yep. You know, if you had a stricter, better election, very easily Donald Trump may have won. And I'm not one of these people saying he, anyone cheated. I think you need to deal with that before the election, not after. Right. But still. Right. No, I'm with you. Uh, uh, and, 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 I, and, I, and I have to tell you, I mean, your readers, as much as my listeners probably, are really worried about this attitude, um, David, because it's, um, it's not just Chris Hayes and it's not just MSNBC and it's not just CNN. It's, it's almost everywhere that to be – I mean, this, this notion that to hold a conservative viewpoint or to say I support Donald Trump is to immediately be put to be put cast in one of the 300 people that charged the Capitol. It really is to a lot of writers and thinkers on the left these days. Yeah, they're going to use this for a long time. You bet. And it's 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 tragic that it happened, frankly, and it's for, for the reasons within and of themselves. But it's tragic as well that it can be used in this way, and it will be. And it will be. And uh, yeah, yeah. And 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 I think that for for no other reason is why I think this impeachment is such a sham and a farce, uh, frankly. And I, and I think every, every conservative and every Republican should see it coming. David, it's always good catching up with you and talking to you. I love hearing from you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You betcha. David Harsan, you senior writer for National Review, author of First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. 602-508-0960, your show here on out. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Here's a fun question, sort of. I was talking to producer Bill on the break, noticing that his T-shirt looked a little weathered and how old it was. It's it survived. This He is wearing a T-shirt that has been through five presidencies. This T-shirt is over 20 years old. And I would I, – I, what's the oldest article of clothing you have? For me, it's shoes. I think I have shoes older than that in some cases, Bill. I have a pair of white bucks that I got in the early 90s. They might predate your T-shirt. I wonder what the oldest 
I don't think I have any shirts that date back that far. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Marianne is in Phoenix. Hello, Marianne. Hello. How are you? I am fine, but I do disagree with uh, what you and uh, the gentleman you were talking to had to say about uh, uh, the what seems to be the successful trashing of all conservatives by blaming them for the the violence in Washington. And to me, their modus operandi has always been to gain the high ground by accusing us of what they do. And we all know that. So why do we help them do it by bemoaning the fact that they've succeeded at it rather than screaming bloody murder every time they do it to stop them from doing it anymore? I'm not sure if we actually disagree. Do, Do you think we actually disagree? Well, it seemed like you were accepting the fact that they had successfully painted us black, you know? No, I don't know if I said it was successful just yet, but I know that it's gotten more successful over time. And it's gotten more successful over time because the media has become more dominantly left-wing over time. So the Democrats have tried to do this, and I've spoken a lot about this ever since Barry Goldwater, (coughs) excuse me, Marianne, possibly before. But it started with Barry Goldwater being called um, a Hitler and a fascist, his convention being – um, uh, a, 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 a revamped Mein Kampf, as one San Francisco paper put it in 1964. Of course, there was that that famous uh, Fact magazine. Over a thousand mental health professionals uh, claim Barry Goldwater mentally unfit for office. That kind of thing has been going on a long time. So long. That, that's nothing new. What's new, and I do think it's more successful of late, is that the media. It's not just defunct magazines anymore it's really the entirety of the media that comes it even parts of fox news to be quite honest with you so so i'm worried that it's gained more purchase but i don't think it's particularly new i don't know if it succeeded it succeeds in this sense excuse me for interrupting but what happened to poor mccarthy senator mccarthy they used it on him very successfully and uh, to this day, even Republicans now use the word McCarthyism. This is crazy. They're liars. <laughs> yeah, I look. I look. I think. I think. First of all, I, did you ever read the book McCarthy and His Enemies by William Buckley? No, but I've read Blacklisted by History, okay. which is about McCarthy. Okay. So you know, I don't know that we need to defend the tactics of Joe McCarthy to say that the left was wrong in going after him. I I often think about this issue when it comes to Joe McCarthy. Um, What we knew was that the left hated Joe McCarthy. What we didn't know was whether they hated communism. And And so perhaps what we've always needed was a better Joe McCarthy, and we found them. We found them over time with your Barry Goldwaters and your William Buckleys and your Ronald Reagans. Marianne. But when you look at the entirety of the culture right now and the school system, it's a lot different than it was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, you didn't have in our K through 12 curricula the kind of anti-American crap you have now. Pardon my French. It's different and it's been steamrolling over us. Now, whether it's because they've succeeded or we've retreated 
we could probably discuss. But it is the left is more powerful now than than before. And in so becoming and in so teaching, disseminating and promulgating, they have been more successful in painting conservatives as backward, retrograde, troglodyte cave dwellers um, who don't have the same rights under the First Amendment or shouldn't have the same rights under the First Amendment that they do. That's new. I think it's fair to say that's new. Look at what the ACLU stood up for in the 70s and 80s, and look how they will not stand up for us today. That is that something new has happened here, Marianne. They haven't won yet, but I can't say we're winning. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. About Senator McCarthy, I was channeling a line Irving Crystal used to use um, that uh, I, I uh, looked up over the break to make sure I got it right because it's such a beautiful quote. Uh, For there is one thing that the American people know about Joe McCarthy. He, like them, is unequivocally anti-communist. About the spokesman for American liberalism, they feel they know no such thing. I think we're there. I think we're there. Again, um, um, let me go to Jack here in Phoenix. Hi, Jack. Hi, Seth. Thanks for taking the call. Of course. I was listening to you guys in the last segment. I think his name was David. And, and you guys, uh, he made an observation, and, and you commented on it, but somewhat in agreement with respect to the time to fix the vo- uh, voting uh, anomaly is before it happens. And given what's transpired with refusals to even open up the kimono and do some forensic analysis, I'm curious as to how we're going to get to the point where we can, in fact, do it before the problem happens. So a thought on that, if I might, and it's uncomfortable, frankly, but, you know, a couple things come together on this, Jack. I'm willing to be talked out of it. But the idea that after an election and between an, before, between an election and an inauguration, one can marshal the legal nece- necessities to, um, to challenge uh, the outcome of that election it's never been done, and it's 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 an impossibility. I, I like to quote my friend and very experienced litigator John Hinderocker, who says, "You know, you give me a, um, you know, you get you you give me a strong fraud case, a strong one, and you give me a a budget of you know million bucks, couple million bucks, depending on how big the case is, and you give me a team. You need to give me a year or two." And that's that's with a strong case. Um, you can't do it in uh, in two months. That's problem one. After the fact, in other words, problem two is this is where it's even more uncomfortable. So, m- much of this was foreseeable. Donald Trump in May of last year threatened to withhold uh, coronavirus funding, CARES Act bailout funding to states that engaged in unsolicited in unsolicited mail-in balloting, in unsolicited mail-in voting. He threatened to publicly. 
and these states and the left went crazy. And he did so saying it's going to subject the election to fraud. And you may remember, you know, these arguments about do mail-in votes constitute – is there a lot of fraud with mail-in voting? And, and, and there were a lot of stories yep. when they're unsolicited that they do. And he didn't follow through with that threat. That was the time to do it. Um, that was the time to have fulfilled that threat. And if he did, we may be having a very, 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 very different president right now than we do. That's uh, that's kind of the point I think David and I were on without saying much about it. But that's my view anyway. But you tell me if, if that makes sense. Uh, your view absolutely makes sense. And I think that, you know, on a larger scale, you know, Donald Trump did some things that uh, were wrong and could have done better. The, the, the disconcerting thing that, that I have in my brain on this one is I understand the power of computers. I've worked with uh, large IT organizations, been responsible for them, and it doesn't take but a, a short period of time to change an algorithm on the spot. And it, it's hard for me to justify having a computer system that you can define an algorithm quickly and that it has a, a, a fractional vote capability. So I scratch my head and say, unless we can marshal our resources and go uh, address that problem, uh, how do you know that the next uh, large vote for the United States is not going to be subject to the same problem? And I can I can focus it very precisely. Well, I guess I would say this, Jack. Uh, it's it's basically what I've been saying uh, since November, I don't know, 6th or something close to it, which is the Constitution vests – the U.S. Constitution vests voting procedures primarily with the individual states for them to define them. And in that, we Republicans have a majority, actually a supermajority of state legislatures, including in Arizona – it's incumbent upon those state legislatures to revamp the way we vote. And whether that has to do with the technical things you're speaking of, whether it has to do with voter ID, whether it has to do with banning unsolicited mail-in voting, any of those things. I know a little more about the last two than the stuff you're expert in, but but – but, but that's where the pressure needs to be applied. Now, I had uh, one of our state legislators uh, on last week, uh, Shauna Bullock, who is sponsoring legislation on this very front. And good for her and God bless her. And let's give her and that all the support we can. Um, but Arizona is just one state and hopefully it goes through. So my my response to you, Jack, is this is the duty of Republicans who are in our state legislators le- legislatures right now. And that every piece of pressure that we can muster needs to be applied to them. Uh, understand your perspective. I, I think you are more optimistic than I am. I may not be. I may not be. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess. I guess. I want to say we'll see, um, because you know there's a divide uh, as between what people think the real problem in the election was. Um, there are several divides, uh, whether it was fraud, whether it was deliberate fraud, 
uh, along the lines that you're 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 outlined you've outlined on this call, um, whether it wasn't fraud, whether it was irregularities. Um, but David's point is kind of interesting. Even if it was wide scale fraud, it really is about ninety thousand votes. Which is, by the way, what Hillary Clinton said her loss came down to, too. 85,000 votes, if memory serves, somewhere in that neighborhood. But I don't know. I, I, I mean, I just don't know enough, Jack, uh, on the stuff you're expert at. And, you know, my, my, my suggestion, if you're looking for it, my suggestion is people with your kinds of expertise should be calling your state legislators, whoever they are, and telling them, giving them what you know, and then telling them and working with them to work with their colleagues in other states. If you're looking for my suggestion, that's what I do suggest. Because you are very specialized in a way that I am not, you know, you can do algorithms. I can do the Nick McCain ethics. <laughs> we need you, <laughs> Jack. We need you as much as I think we need Western political philosophy, too. We need it both. We need the techne and we need the arte. Just love that. Gosh, I love that. Um, as much as I love, you know, balance of nature, I really do. I take it every single day. I'm obsessed with it because I am convinced it has kept me healthy for over a year now. Boosts your immunity, your immunity gives you energy. My gosh, how could it not? Tens of thousands of vital nutrients in a daily dose. Ten servings of fruits and vegetables and all the good stuff. Blueberries, papaya, pineapple, spinach, cayenne, onion, kale, wheatgrass. All reduced into the vegetarian capsules using their unique cold press process that maintains the potency of all that great stuff. And they have a great deal, 35% off and free shipping on your first preferred order of their fruits and veggies. That's the stuff I take and recommend. Check them out at balanceofnature.com or give them a call at 800-246-8751. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Friends have used it, family use it. They all love it. I think it's the most effective whole food supplement on the market. Balanceofnature.com discount code balance. Uh, yes, Bob is in Phoenix. Hello, Bob. Hi, Seth. Um, I was listening to your, I've been listening to you guys, and you have this thing about Barry Goldwater on there, and I'm wondering about the future of the Republican slash conservative, I don't think they're exactly the same thing anymore. But anyway, so uh, I consider you one of the experts, uh, student of history. Could you compare and contrast Barry Goldwater to, I'm going to skip ahead to Reagan, I'll skip uh, Nixon, and then skip ahead to, to uh, Trump. Yes, sure. Uh, Trump, a- I don't think, was a conservative, in my opinion, but he did a lot of good things that conservatives should like, <laughs> but... So I, I know you don't have enough time to get in too much depth, but what was the what was the? I, I, I can no, I, I love doing this. In fact, I wrote a book on it, so it's not a problem. Um, and the book what, is what's called, the, book? the book is called American Greatness by Chris Buskirk and myself. And okay. uh, if you have the time, as the old Miller beer commercial is, I will do it with you if you can hold, and we'll do it on the other side of the break. We'll start off talking about it. If you want to, sure. happy, happy to. I love doing this. I think it's important, and I think it's crucial that we conservatives wrap our heads around this. I really do. Yeah. So uh, bear with me, and we'll do it. We'll do it, Bob. You bet. 
All right. Thank you. You bet. Stay on the line because I'm going to want your response to this as well because it sounds like you and I agree on some things but may have an interesting disagreement or two as well, and we'll do it. We'll be right back.